Hello there, and welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jesse Gaskell, and I'm here with Mike Sweeney. And as some of you may have heard, our friend Brian Rich passed away last week. Uh, it's very sad news. Um, yes. Un- unexpected. It was a bit of a... Sh- I mean, it was a total shock. And um, we we just want to talk about Brian a second because he was such a brilliant comedy writer and such a sweet guy and such a smart, funny man. And he was responsible for some of everyone's favorite late night with Conan O'Brien characters, including yeah. The Masturbating Bear and Pimpod 5000. And so much of his comedy back then was so unique and had such a great voice that it really helped establish kind of the bold and silly comedy that Conan became known for in the early years. And Brian was a big, big part of that. Yeah, that that is clear. And mm-hmm. Brian went on after Late Night to continue make, leaving his mark on comedy. Um, he worked on shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Sasha Baron Cohen's Who Is America, Eagleheart, and Let's Be Real. And there are just so many people who have wonderful stories about working with Brian, really memorable person in yeah. everybody's lives. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to see one of his old late night bits, it's kind of a piece that's venerated. It's called a, a late night sting operation or it's a sting operation and it's on uh, Team Coco. And it's, it's that to me is like a trip. great example yes. of, of one of his the bits he would do. I mean, we were all the writers at Conan were, we were all in awe of him. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to get to talk to Brian on our mm-hmm. show last season. So we wanted to reshare that interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features one of our favorite stories that's ever been told on the podcast. Um, yes. It's really oh, yes. special. Uh, we're so excited to get that story. Have Brian come on and tell the story. It's It's something that he did at late night that, I said we were all in awe of him. Well, the awe level went off the charts after this. Yeah, And it's a great, it's a wild story. So here's our interview with Brian Rich. If you're a fan of Conan and especially Conan's late night with Conan O'Brien years, there were so many great sketches and characters that came up and were created in the mid to late 90s. These characters still come up all the time, Masturbating Bear, Pimp Bot, and a lot of really great, memorable sketches. And when people ask me about them, I always mention our next guest who created so many of these memorable moments, Mr. Brian Rich. Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's long overdue. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I think you kind of went out to me once to, to maybe see if I could do this show before. And this was when you were in New York. Yes. And I think that <laughs> it's funny because I think I said I can't because I was working with Smigel. <laughs> and then Smigel right. came and did it. Yeah, on some, you know, <laughs> we were doing some like tests like pilot thing for something that we ended up doing this year. Right. But I was like, ah, I don't think I can. I really should go to this thing. Yeah. And then I get there and it's like, where's Robert? Oh, he's going to be in late. <laughs> he's doing this Conan podcast. And I was like, mm, okay, great. Yeah. Well, you created an opening when you said no. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. That's great. He was getting calls from someone on your team, I think, during our podcast. Uh, Where are you? Yeah, that's that's when I learned not to ever be a team player. Well, we're glad that we got you in between Smigel projects. Yes. Mm-hmm. We get so many questions about the characters that you've created. I, they're still some of people's all-time favorites. That's great. That's great to hear. Well, we want to go back to kind of to the beginning of your time on the show because you uh-huh. you came over from David Letterman, right? Yeah. That was that was that your first writing job out of college? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much my first job was Letterman uh, in the same building in the same studio as you know Late Night with Conan O'Brien later was to be in. So um, yeah, I worked for Letterman at the very end of his run at NBC there. Uh-huh. And then Conan was my next job after that. What what was it like starting at Letterman right out of college? That had to be were you intimidated or were or I was, was yeah. Just... I mean, I I was really just excited to get the job. I think yeah. I got it about a year after I actually graduated. Okay. What took so long? Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> bit of a slacker. Wait, so uh, you were twenty three? <laughs> yeah. So oh. I was like can I still write for young people anymore? Is is anyone going to get my references? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was just really exciting to, I mean, I remember when I heard I was getting hired and I was, uh, I was living at home with my parents in New Jersey. And I think that was like the biggest thrill of all. It's like, Oh, thank God. I'm now have it. I get to move out. Yeah. So I can have enough money and to like get out of here and like leave this behind forever. Once I explained to them who David Letterman is. (laughs) Yeah. So moving back there after college was just a big mistake, but it did, it did motivate me to, you know, that's a great motivator. Yeah. Get a good application together. Well, you were on, you were in the Harvard Lampoon, right? So that, right. That's where you probably knew all these people who had... And you're like, everyone who graduates works in television. Yeah. Well, not... Yeah. But yeah, we knew about, oh, you know, we'd hear about like this and that person who had gone on to write for shows we were into, you know. Right. And did you... Had you heard of Conan at that point? Yeah. 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 Conan amongst them. uh, Conan was still, you know, he graduated way before me, but he was still... You know, he was talked about because he was two-time president there. Of the the Lampoon. Of the Lampoon. Okay. Overachiever. Always showing off. (laughs) Usually, you know, it's always a senior is president pretty much. Uh, So it was kind of an unusual thing that he got elected in his junior year and senior year. Uh, Maybe that happened once before. I don't know. But but, uh, But now we know so much about election cheating and vote counting. (laughs) Yes, that's right. I think we need to revisit his double presidency. (laughs) It seems, yeah, it seems unlikely that that could have actually happened twice. So you did, so you had some awareness of Conan and Mm -hmm. so when you were at Letterman and you heard that Conan was taking over late night, was that a, were you surprised? Yeah, I think, I think, well, I mean, of course it was a little after Letterman that Conan got the job. Right. Wasn't Letterman off? Yeah. He was definitely off NBC before they made the Conan announcement. In between. Okay. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really ready to jump back into writing right then, but I remember thinking in the back of my mind, hmm, this will be something to watch, you know, and see maybe this is a place 
all want to work. I, I, I guess I remember watching the early shows, you know, mm-hmm. and thinking, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, maybe down the line, this will be for me. Maybe if they find their footing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I guess we were all kind of excited. I guess we were like, yeah, finally, us, you know, funny writers are going to step to the, <laughs> to the floor, you know. Like, why are all these, you know, meat puppets saying our jokes getting, you know, credit? <laughs> this is going to usher in a new age of the writer-scholar mm-hmm. celebrity. <laughs> Revenge of the nerds. Yeah. So th- that had to be a little weird. Your next job after Letterman was in the same studio. Or it was probably very comforting. You're, did, yeah. did you act like, guys, I know my way around here. I knew where the commissary was. <laughs> you know what I mean? What was, I mean, what were some of your immediate impressions of the, the Conan writing staff and just how, how was it different from being at Letterman? It was kind of wilder, like when I was there. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of late nights there because we'd eat dinner. We'd do the show. Yeah. Then we'd eat dinner in this ugly, awful conference room where if you didn't like the food, it got like thrown up in the ceiling where tiles were missing and just to see what would happen to it after a couple of months. And, uh, and then we'd go back in to the, to the head writer's room and work on whatever we had to crank out bits for, you know, the next day or the next few days. And I, I remember a game we started playing that I've tried to oh God. <laughs> explain to people. I think they, I know it's coming, but I'm not sure, but go ahead. Did you invent this game? Was it called Baghead? Baghead yeah. Yes. Baghead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you explain, wait till everyone hears the rules. Uh, let's see if I can remember exactly. But yeah, it just gets so loopy and bored right? that you just need something to stimulate you. We were all very punch drunk. Yeah. It'd be like 1030 right. at night. And I'm also someone who, yeah, hates just sitting still for hours. Like I just feel my body corroding. Right. Like, you know, I'm always like in writer's room for there too long, getting up and pacing around. And Right. But anyway, Baghead is... Uh, <laughs> It's a very, it's a giddy game. You you put a bag, a paper bag. I guess it was usually like the bag we had gotten our dinner in or something. Right. You put a bag over the head, your head, and then you would have to go around the circle of each person in the in the room, in the head writer's room. Like we'd be arranged kind of in a circle. Right. You'd go up to each person, you'd lower your head. And then that person would get a free snack of your head. Oh, my God. Which you, you didn't know exactly, you know, when it was coming. So you're kind of like, you know, you're kind of waiting. It's just kind of funny. You'd let the person sit there for quite a while. And it wasn't like full on. You weren't like, you weren't like slamming the person that hard. It was just just hard enough to be like kind of funny that when you brought this up i assumed it was going to be some sort of way of generating ideas like uh-huh. an improvisation oh, no. game but it literally was just we're gonna punch each other with the bag on it it took <laughs> took away ideas by yeah. causing concussions and brain damage no i explained that game to people and i'm like <laughs> i was like oh my god it was so hilarious you put a bag on your head and then go around and people punched you in the head that's it. <laughs> that reminds me when I was actually, uh, just remind me at Letterman, there was a, a game called Tub of Tea. <laughs> You'd sit in a tub of tea and people would punch you. <laughs> no, there was no tea or tub. It was also just punching you in the head with a bag. But <laughs> I think I see where you got this idea. Yeah, when we would order Chinese, they'd bring our tea. It'd be in these big plastic containers and it'd be piping hot. And it would always be, can you, you know, someone would try to drink the piping hot tub of tea, 
you know, in the break the record for time and you'd be trying to just down it, but it, it'd be scalding you so much. And everyone, of course, would be chanting like tub of tea, tub of tea. So you had to do you it. You had to do uh. it. But yeah, I don't know. I think Baghead probably loosened things up mm-hmm. pretty much. I remember, though, it being outrageous that at one point Ellie would not don the bag. Ellie Baransic. Oh, right. She's the writer's assistant, writer's coordinator. Yeah, at that time. and Oh, she refused to do it. And, and we were all fine outraged. if you don't want to participate. Right. But she had hit the bag head. Oh, gotcha. If you hit the bag, you must also put your head in the bag, I think, is <laughs> the fair rule. I mean, that's fair. And that those are the rules that come on the box mm-hmm. when you get the game. So. <laughs> it's weird that the bag is boxed. There's, I, I, and I remember the head writer's... He'd be like, you guys are hitting me harder. (laughs) (laughs) He he was getting mad. And we're like, well, yeah, you're the one keeping us here. So I'm sure that game still goes on today, doesn't it? Or sure, of course. I can't imagine it dying out. No, something like that would never (laughs) No, As long as there are paper bags to be had. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. Um, Brian, do you remember was not to put you on the spot, but the origins of masturbating bear. Because we obviously get a lot of inquiries about MB, and we just would love to get like a real soup to nuts of masturbating bear and where that came from. Yes. Yeah, it's funny because if you actually, if you Google my name and Brian Rich and masturbating, masturbating bear is still one of the top three hits that will come up. That's great for you. Yeah. (laughs) And Mike, I think you actually, I remember you corrected me after a panel like years ago, because I had forgotten the actual, the actual origin. I thought it was a new characters thing, which is the sketch we started doing afterwards, like just introducing it. Right. But what it actually was, was pleasing the affiliates. Mm. I also love that you already did a panel about masturbating bear. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get people to talk about this. And then we, we broke off into separate discussion groups. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, pleasing the affiliates. So, yes. Pleasing the affiliates. So I just like the premise that the masturbating bear was a pre-existing character. The idea was right. we're, we're from now on, we're going to have the masturbating bear bound up right, right, so that he can't masturbate anymore. I think it was like an affiliate, like Conan yeah. read letters. Like, I think it was like an affiliate yeah, from Utah Michigan or something. or something like that, like somewhere that they'd be conservative. Mm. And, and they were complaining about the masturbating bear, which didn't exist, right. you know, in reality as a character. Right, in reality. Uh, and so we are agreeing now to uh, the masturbating bear would be shackled. And we had, you know, the trainers, which you and I actually played. Right. Like, uh, on, we had cattle prods and everything. We were going to make sure that the masturbating bear would no longer uh, be allowed to masturbate when he appeared on the show. <laughs> yes, what the masturbating bear in any conception was supposed to have been doing <laughs> other than masturbating and all these other appearances, <laughs> you know, is left unsaid. It still hasn't been addressed. Yeah, so of course he, you know, he breaks free and he starts masturbating and right. And then it yeah, went from there. I just had to think of new permutations. I remember there was one where he was being totally good and not masturbating and then Conan walks over to congratulate him, I think, and right. his hand passes through him and he realizes it's actually a hologram. <laughs> and then we cut to the masturbating bear operating like a hologram machine and he's been masturbating wildly the whole time. 
<laughs> yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> it was just one beat in this desk piece, you know, a piece that's like five minutes long. Yeah. The crowd went so nuts for it that <laughs> right away, it's just like, uh, I mean. The, a blessing and a curse. Yeah. That's your bit now and you own it. Right. And it's it's a double-edged sword because, you know, the all of a sudden it's like, we need more masturbating bear. And yeah, we need him in more and more precarious scenarios. Right. <laughs> but after three weeks, it's, you're probably like, Oh God, please no more. You know, this isn't a, a rich multi-dimensional character. That I- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After I left the show though, I don't think I ever watched masturbating well i've seen a few but i just didn't i don't want to know too painful yeah they've cheapened it it's not all about the (laughs) masturbating it's about the the inherent tension between what the bear (laughs) wants and what the show wants (laughs) (laughs) there was one really great one i don't know if you ever saw it we were in chicago for a week yeah and so conan's on stage at the chicago theater this is like 2006 i think so this after you had left the show, of course. and but he's like, well, you know, people are like, where's the masturbating bear? You got to have him in Chicago. But I promise you, you know, it's a vile character. There's no way right. we would bring that character here to Chicago. <laughs> and then you just cut to a pre-tape, and it was an airplane, a biplane, and the masturbating bear skydives out of the plane over. Like there was an, a cameraman skydiver yeah. as well wow. who shot the whole thing. Before so you, CGI. Oh, yeah. You saw this amazing view of, of Lake Michigan and, and down, you know, the Sears Tower. And, and it was all to Mission Impossible music. And we actually got a skydiver right, right. to put on the masturbating bear costume and jump. And it, it was one of those things when it was edited overnight. And, you know, I think Michael Komen and Andrew and Michael Gordon – and Andrew Weinberg edited it and like all the writers gathered around and just watched it like 20 times in a row on the, yeah. on a computer. Cause it just, you couldn't That's believe so it great. existed. I'm surprised that the, the bear suit didn't disintegrate from the, the air pressure against it. Skydiving, just a tough <laughs> of right. bear just flying away, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, they knew, they knew the first time you created it. Oh, right. like well, This yeah. has to be, mm-hmm. It's got to be able to withstand air pressure. Yeah, let's let's put in the extra money now. How did you cast who was actually going to play the masturbating bear? Because you didn't take that glory role for yourself. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, if I knew that it would, you know, have such repercussions and go on, I right. longevity. Yeah, I'm sure I would have tried to get in the bear suit. And, <laughs> you know, that's just uh, you tire on that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you could be doing appearances still. And- I don't remember. I think it was probably just a matter of uh, Michael Gordon saying, you know, yeah, I'm uh, not busy. Because uh, when you're in something <laughs> like that, you know, it's going to take a lot of the day out to go to rehearsals and all that right. stuff. So you're too busy with something. Right. But he also played a lot of mute characters on the show. Like he, uh-huh. he played like a giant ant and he'd, right. he'd play a skunk. And he, he, so he did all these kind of mimey giant costume. Like he played the Stanley cup where he uh-huh. had a giant Stanley cup on his body and you just saw his legs. So it probably was like, does this bear talk? No. Okay. It's, it's a, it's going to be Gordon. Yeah. I, he was this thing Diz, I think before. 
Right. It might have been before I even started. I don't know if they had stopped doing it by then, but it's a very early character of his. Diz was a character. He would come out. I think he had like, a, he almost had like a Where's Waldo kind of shirt on and would come out and just spin <laughs> around to music and a sign that said, Go, Diz, go until, <laughs> until he got dizzy and fell down. Right. And he would interrupt the, like, I think, I think his favorite time appearance was during a Bob, an interview with the real Bob Dole. <laughs> oh my and all of a sudden the band goes, go Diz, go. And he just comes up and he literally got so yeah. dizzy. I think he half fell into Bob Dole on the couch. <laughs> that that was a sketch called not pleasing our affiliates. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's probably what led to the creation. <laughs> that, that bit. Do they, I mean, you must still do that. I remember now, like after the show, sometimes Conan would have to stay out there for like, another hour and just film these little messages, you know, for the affiliates, like KTLU, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. Keep it going, Sam, you know, or whatever. Like, you <laughs> right. know, like, Hey, Santa Cruz. Yeah. And people tend to go, wow, he really knows what's going on in our town. You know, like, <laughs> right, right. We're cruising to great ratings. Thanks to you. Well, and another one of your famous sketches was Pimpbot. Yes. Can you really quickly explain the premise of Pimpbot? To anyone who might be unfamiliar, Pimpot was a well. It's it's in the name, <laughs> much like Baghead. <laughs> right. If you're an etymologist, you could probably. <laughs> he was a uh, robot pimp. Yeah. He combined the sensibilities of a '70s street pimp with that of uh, sort of a '50s sci-fi robot, and mm -hmm. he would come out and move mechanically, and he would uh, talk about you know his hose and he would threaten Conan with a switchblade. <laughs> he would threaten to make Conan one of his prostitutes if Conan pushed him too hard. That's right. <laughs> oh, and Conan would always be like, I'm hosting the show. I don't have time to prostitute myself <laughs> in the way, uh -huh. in the way you envision. But otherwise. Yeah. Right, right. Otherwise full speed ahead. Which also it's, a, it seems like started as a, a one-off character and then was so popular that he, he got his own, spin-off series because it didn't it yeah, start i think he was from a new character yeah that one if i'm wrong pimp Pop 5000 mm -hmm. right i think also tommy blotcha i have to give him some of the credit of the initial idea for him something about you know the robot pimp we shared a, a office together tommy and i mm -hmm. uh -huh. but then i i did write right yeah the initial thing and his whole the name of him and his whole persona and everything and the rhyming and all that his and whole shtick i remember i read pimp by iceberg slim to get some you know oh right <laughs> some ideas and and background and i some verite some other similar literature by this guy donald goines like you know these books like horson and uh, you know all, all these like inner city kind of 70s right yeah literature wow you really did your <laughs> homework <laughs> I remember once we had uh, this show so old, the Lost in Space, the original Lost in Space. I don't know if uh -huh. anyone even remembers yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the, the, the original Dr. Smith was on our Because Conan, especially in the early years, would have all these, a lot of actors from uh -huh. hit 60s shows. Right. And it was kind of like a, you know, people you hadn't heard from in years. And one of them was this guy, Jonathan Harris, who was the original Dr. Smith. Uh -huh. I think there was a, during his interview, the, the idea was, Pimpbot would come out mm -hmm. and 
you, you bubble-headed booby, <laughs> get out of the, uh-huh. you, you bucket of bolts. Right. So we went in to talk to him before the show, <laughs> and Conan, you know, was like, oh, you know, your show was on in reruns when I was a kid, and I watched every episode. He's like, of course you did. <laughs> he was just like over the top, flamboyant. Uh-huh. And we went over the sketch with him, and he was just like, of course I've got it. Yes, of course, I'm a professional. Broadway, you name it, I've done it. And we're like, okay, this is going to be great. And then <laughs> he's out there on the couch with Conan, his interview's winding up, and then you hear like the mechanical noises and, and Pimpot comes out uh-huh. and goes, I, you know, something like, Hey, Dr. Smith, you know, <laughs> and, and Jonathan Harris just looks at him and goes, Oh, well, what a lovely fellow. Like he, <laughs> he didn't do it. <laughs> totally forgot. Yeah. He literally in the 10 minutes that elapsed, forgotten there was going to be a sketch. All his training. And, yeah. and Conan's like, wow. uh, Dr. Harris, uh, it's a you oh, know, no. robot. who's a pimp. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, uh, ch- charmed! I'm sure. Like he just. Oh, I. And so the the, the actor playing the the robot oh, is still right. doing the moves. He, was he had to keep making his moves. Like, yes. Like, yeah, for like 20 minutes, just waiting for, for 20 the- minutes. You still hear all the servo sounds. So were these uh, sketches that you were proud of? Like, did you tell your family, uh, yeah, hey, look, you guys got to watch tonight. The Masturbating Bear is on. I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I think I, yeah. You had another bit on that that you could tell your parents about. And uh, no, that is, it's one of my favorite bits. And they, they put it, I, I think Team Coco put it up a year ago. And it uh-huh. kind of got all, I think, a lot of new attention. It was uh, the FBI sting yeah. sketch. I love this one. That was Yeah, that was a fun one to do. A sketch where Conan's brother is in the audience and Conan introduces him. And it, it turns out his brother was a felon who was on the lam. And the, it turn, the FBI agents arrest him. And then it turns out the entire Late Night with Conan O'Brien show that had been on for like three years already <laughs> was an elaborate sting to capture Conan's felon brother <laughs> and learn, by luring him to the studio. Yeah, the sting operation sketch. Yeah, that was a fun one. And then it ends with them like r- completely dismantling the set. and They dismantle the whole set. Uh, and the, the great part is Conan, everyone who works on the show was in on this sting operation except for conan right from the very beginning you know him getting the job and everything was just to lure his brother out of hiding you know he's like you know my brother's in the audience today brother and then all right let's get him and then andy's an fbi agent everyone the you know they're all it was all just to lure this guy and what do you think the You'd get it. You, it never seems weird that you got a show, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone left. I, everyone, they they literally took the the set out, uh-huh. and then everyone files out of the studio. Yeah, and I think they took away the desk. They took everything away. Right. It was yeah. a bare bones place. Then Conan just appears in like a spotlight. I think uh-huh. I remember, like in you know by the monologue area, there's kind of just a light on him. Like there's one light left. His dress is dark, and he starts making some really heart, you know, felt speech about, you know, maybe it was just this thing, but, you know, maybe I made someone laugh and, you know, I had a dream is the important thing. And, and then while he's in the middle, starting to do this, you know, 
or I'll sum up, you just hear from the rafters like a stage or something, ah, the idiot still thinks people are watching. And every <laughs> and you just hear everyone just laughing at him. And he just, you know, does his like thing of ultimate shame Conan and runs away into the darkness, which is, which is great. Oh, and then it goes out to commercial on that. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite things about it. Like no band kicked in, like you know, more Conan in a minute. It was yeah that commitment. People watching to, were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah, complete desolation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I love. Then after that, he came back. You know, well, my next guest. Right, right. But I love that that it never got deconstructed in any way. What was there a discussion at the time? I wonder about ending the sh- that night's show with the sketch? Because that would have been a... Well, NBC was actually talking about ending the series with that sketch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, this could do double duty We're for We're never going to have a better opportunity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's giving it to us. Well, I was wondering, I mean, we've you. it seems like you've only had home runs on the show. Do, uh-huh. but do you remember having any sketch that just bombed in rehearsal or something that you were like, this is going to do really well. Then mm, I don't know. I don't remember anything like completely being, I don't know. I'm sure there were some that, you know, fell flat probably because of technical problems. Yeah. 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 Um, sure. Of course. Oh, I do remember there was one, it, it was kind of salvaged, but, um, uh, Oh, it was a kid's show. We did a kid's show. Right. Were you there for that Sweeney? Yeah. Where, uh, the audience was all kids and we kind of oriented it supposedly toward kids. Towards kids. Yeah. And there was one, I had one funny thing on that, which was the boredom monster. Right. Which was like kind of this way to blackmail the kids through terror that if they're, if they start getting too quiet at any point during the show, the boredom monster's coming. And we'd cut to this, this horrible monster in the hallway. He was slithering his way toward them and they'd all scream and everything. And it was just this threat. Right. But there was a thing where, for some reason, I had this thing, uh, a parade of birds came down in the audience. Oh, right. Vomiting. Was it vomiting birds? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we said they were vomiting birds or oh. I think it was just supposed to happen at some point. All right. But they were all coming down, you know, these guys in bird costumes right. uh, down the alleyway. And then at some point they were all <laughs> going to lean over and just projectile vomit on people in the audience. <laughs> I mean, not real vomit, obviously, but with those, right. you know, SNL type, you know, things. Which is still gross yeah. <laughs> to have that land It's still you. gross, but... Not when it's birds. But in the context of a bird parade, come on. Right. That's, You're right. Yeah, that's just it's like crazy. fireworks on the yeah. 4th of July is what you expect. <laughs> with mostly a plant diet, it's not that bad. Uh, but there was some, like huge malfunction in those were basically and then the birds leaned over and like nothing came out like this <laughs> i don't know whoever's was doing special effects there was some kind of you know he's like pumping away or something oh like, no what's going on and like a, just like a trickle like of stuff came out and oh. i was like oh my god that's just total and, and then in like editing we were just able to put enough together that somewhat salvaged it but like in my mind it was going to be like you know exorcist gushing projectile on people and yeah. instead it was just like a you know yeah mm. a slow trickle look a line of coughing birds yes like a, a mildly dyspeptic bird parade <laughs> he's got hiccups yeah. can you okay so we kind of glossed over this but what was the kids episode what was the 
backstory of that? We were trying new things like in those days, like just, you know, for the hell of it. I don't know. There was one week we did, which was time travel. Week, time travel. Right. Yep. Where each each uh, day that week, they Conan and Andy were in a different time period. Like they were oh. ancient Rome. And then the next night, the Civil War. Right. And then this idea was just, let's do a show for an audience entirely of kids. And what would that kids show? What would the show be? Right. As if our sensibility was, <laughs> wasn't childish enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, yeah, we had to dial it down like by two years. Right. Hey, these kids will love baghead. <laughs> right. Did the kids like it? Uh, did the kids like it? I think they, yeah, I think they liked it. Yeah. Yeah. We kept them entertained enough. My memory is no one remembered I mean, no one anticipated them getting that restless mm. that quickly. And yeah. And then it was just coded out there and we're all like, oh, <laughs> all right, good luck. Right. That's when he started string dancing. 28 minutes to go. Because <laughs> there were no parents, right? In the audience. Like we just had. No parents. They were like maybe watching from the green room or something. But, but the great thing was, and I, oh, my, maybe you remember his name. I think the second or third guest was like an NBC economics <laughs> correspondent. Oh, oh did, we, did we purposely book someone really dry? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. And Conan totally committed to uh-huh. it. And they had this really straight, dry interview. And the kids, I think the kids booed through the, yeah. <laughs> they just booed <laughs> through the whole uh, I'm, I'm sure the boredom monster right, right. was coming out a lot then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was fun to do these like weird things once in a while. It was a, oh, kind yeah. of a pain usually to, you know, is but good to get out of the rut, I think. Do you remember you were going to I think you announced you were going to leave the show uh-huh. and you're you're um coming out to LA to work on a sitcom. So the head writer Jonathan Groff started the search for someone to take your place. Yeah, I've heard that this is a legendary story, but I'd like to hear Brian tell it. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try to do it justice. But okay. but yeah, I, I hadn't been hired by a sitcom or anything at that time. I was just oh, okay. I was just leaving. I didn't know what I was going to do. But you know, I was just like, oh wow, kind of feeling. You know, you were like anything but this. right. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was just. It was still great, but I was sort of like you know, I felt like I'd done a lot, and so the search had begun, and I decided to see if I could get hired again. I mean, part of it is like, how much of it is just random? Like when you get hired or have I gotten worse? Right. Like, you know, maybe <laughs> I'm not as funny. Like maybe I've, I'm, you know, maybe I've gone downhill, maybe not like, or it'd just be an interesting experiment to see if I could get hired again. So I wrote another application. Like I wrote a bunch of new sketches. Ugh. Some of them were ideas that maybe I had had before, you know, while working on the show that never did anything with, like maybe they were too weird or, or maybe like, you know, too annoying to produce or something like that, you know, so I never (laughs) like proposed them actually, but yeah, but I wrote, you know, a bunch of new sketches and I had, um, now I just needed a front, you know, to hand it in. So you submitted those to the Conan show, but what was the front? The front, okay. The front was a roommate of a friend of mine from high school <laughs> named, named Hank Flynn. Okay. Who was like, he was kind of a, I think he's, he, he's like a car, you know, he's an on air reporter in Philadelphia uh-huh. TV station or something now, but he, he did some stand up at the time, like some performance already stand up. Yeah. So he kind of, he wasn't completely from left field where, you know, 
some of like a shoe salesman. He was doing some entertainment comedy stuff. But uh, right. he was a roommate of a friend of mine from high school. And so uh, he agreed to do it under his name and everything, Hank Flynn. Uh, and then I got Greg Cohen, put it one step farther from me. Greg Cohen. Another writer on the show. Great writer on the show. Yeah. Was going to say that it was going through him, that Hank was a friend of his or a friend of his friends or something like that. Oh, okay. So I wrote the thing up. We proposed, you know, we, we put it in everything and then the process began and then it was like, Oh, like finally, <laughs> ooh, how's it going? You know? And it's like, well, we we're down to a few, you know, whatever. Five, and it's like, uh-huh. Hank Flynn is one of the, uh, he's on the short list. One, one of the, the finalists. finalists. This is great. Oh, and then, uh, Greg Cohen started getting really nervous, by the way. He just started having second thoughts, like, are we going to, oh. is this really bad? Like, are we going to get in big trouble? Actually, as it, when it got down to the very end, we're like the two finalists. <laughs> I actually was brought in, like, like I guess Groff and Conan were like, gave it to me, like, well, you, you look at these, what do you think? Oh, to weigh in? Yeah, to weigh in. Oh, oh my God. God. I did not want to... <laughs> I didn't want to spoil the immaculate, yeah. you know, the, the experiment. So I just played it very neutral. I was like, I don't know. They're both, you know, it's a toss up to me, you know, because I didn't, I didn't want to sully. Right. You didn't want to tip the scales. The yeah. one. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sully right. it. So I, I kind of stayed out of it. It'd be like uh, becoming the host of Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. But okay. But then it was dragging on for a while and. Greg started getting really nervous. Yeah, that's getting a little dicey. Yeah. Yeah, and Greg Greg was just, I was like, just hold on a little more. I forget, like I had some some end game. Hang in there, Greg. But he just started getting more and more nervous, you know. And so they went for Hank Flynn. Right. And he came in for an interview and he did fine or whatever. And then... Uh, but how did you know he would do well in the interview? Um... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I coached him a little bit, but, you know, it wasn't like... He just had to not be crazy. Exactly. Yeah. He just had to, yeah, not be too crazy and everything. I think, I think like, they liked his packet the best and everything. And, and also, this guy in. was cool. He wasn't like, oh, do, can I actually get this job? Do I get to work there? Well, I found out later, actually, from my friend that he actually was like, what if I just, should I take the job? What if... <laughs> Like, I think he actually thought at some point, maybe I can, you know, scam the scammer and like somehow. If I do well in the interview, I mean, what's right? (laughs) Wait, so was he interviewed by Jonathan Groff and Conan? I don't, I don't know if Conan was in there, but he probably like did a phone thing or something with Conan. I'm I'm not sure. But Conan was definitely on board with hiring him. Like Conan had read it too and everything like that. But okay, so I think initially when Hank got hired, I I was going to have Hank come in and take the job and like be weird basically and do do all sorts of weird shit for like the first week, you know, and just have all sorts of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> Wait, your dream was for him to actually take, take the, the job. job? Yeah, just for like a week or so, come yeah, in. Yeah, just to, And then just let the cat out of the bag, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. So we pulled the plug early and how we did pull the plug was, I think John actually had all of us come into the room when he was going to call <gasps> Hank Flynn to hire him. I remember this oh part. We were we were in a meeting. Uh-huh. And I think you... It came up naturally, but yeah. I, it, my memory is you said, hey, are, are you ever going to hire someone to take my place? <laughs> right. And he's like, funny you should say that. We yeah. settled on this guy. 
Hank Flynn. Right. <laughs> this is my memory of it. And, and, and none and of I you knew he, that this was all happening, right? So no, no one, one knew, knew. Okay. any of this except for Greg Cohen. Yeah, yeah. So Groff goes, he goes, you know what? We're all here right now. Why don't I call him on speakerphone and, and, and offer him the job? Oh, man. You know, it's always a big moment when you offer someone a job. And, and so it seemed very spontaneous. That was my memory of it. And so he calls Hank Flynn and where all the writers are in the, his writer's room. And it's like at, at like 930 at night. And he puts him on speakerphone. Yeah. Although I, I, wonder, I wonder how much was organic and how much did I press Graf to do it. Maybe a little of both. It, it worked out perfectly because I did have Hank Flynn re- record the phone call. <gasps> so I actually still have a tape of that phone call. Hello. Hey, I was trying to reach Hank Flynn. <laughs> Hank. Yeah. Jonathan Groff calling from late night. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. Thanks. What's going on? Uh, we'd like to offer you a job. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> nice, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, 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 yeah, we liked, your, we liked your submission the best. Well, thank you very much. I got out of a meeting with Conan um, O'Brien a while ago, and Brian Rich is actually the guy who's leaving, and uh-huh. he had read through the package, too. And wow. Yours was the best one. Well, Jesus. I, <laughs> hey, everybody on speakerphone. You just make me feel really good, man. I really appreciate that. Hang on one second. All right. Everybody on speakerphone. All right. Hey! Hey! night, which is indicative of the nightmare that is this job. But other than that, congratulations. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Jeff Ross is the producer. Uh, I just talked to him, and uh, I'll call you tomorrow with, like, more details about what you need to do. Okay, cool. Jonathan, actually, can I talk to just you and ask you a couple questions? What's up? Um, I just, I I just need, I just, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Sorry. Um, I just, what, do you, what hours do you guys usually work anyway? Uh, we work uh, like at ten thirty, depends um, to like now or later. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty grueling. Oh, all right. Because well, I got it's just that I've got like I'm sort of a regular on these open mic circuits things that I like to do, and it would really hurt me if if I had to give them up at all. You know, and that realistically. You're probably going to have to give them up if you want to do this. Um, I see. Just because it's kind of, you'll be here almost every night. I mean, the only exception would be, would be like Monday. Maybe we'd get out a little earlier on Fridays. But generally, we're here until now or, or later. Right. So, um, what, what was... You know, three, three, to, three nights a week, sometimes four. Okay. What was Brian making when he left? Um... I don't know. Just because I, I think that the work is really good, you know. Uh-huh. I think that the work is really good, and I just uh-huh. I just want to get, you know, what it's worth. Oh, you're not going to get more than that. Right. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, that's just sort of the way it works. Okay. I hear you. Um, I don't want to hold you up. Um, no. but, well, why don't we you and I talk tomorrow? Okay, well, here's the thing. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was watching, uh, I watched the show a lot over the past week um and you know some of it i liked a lot mm-hmm. um but other you know some of the other stuff that just wasn't 
I don't I don't mean this personally at all, but some of the, the other stuff there just really wasn't much payoff to it. Mm-hmm. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I I was watching the the Daily Show today. Do you know that show? Mm-hmm. Um, on Comedy Central, and I I don't I just I think that maybe that's more the place for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know what, Jonathan, I really appreciate your thinking about me, and, 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 and I really appreciate what you think about my work. Um, but honestly, I really think that maybe, uh, maybe Comedy Central is a better place for me. Oh, okay. Uh, is, that, is that something that you're going to do? Um, well, maybe. I mean, I don't really know anybody over there, but uh-huh. I mean, I, I, think I, may be able, I, I think I might be able to swing a PA job over there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of... I just think it's more my speed, you know. Um, but thank you very much. Okay. Okay. I'll take care. Bye. Oh, my God. So do you remember, did I did I reveal what was happening right then? Or did I let yes. it? Yes. I did. Okay. That's good. Brock probably didn't believe me at first, right? We couldn't believe you would sit down and write a new submission. Go to so much work. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Knowing how, how hard it was to get me to write anything when I was actually being paid for it. Right, right, right. We were just like, ugh, all that extra work. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was he thinking? Yeah, no, everyone was stunned. It was a great... And did people react well then <laughs> once they knew? Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah. Was, just so you had pulled that all off. And I know, then it's unbelievable. We were like, well, wait, well, who's that guy on the phone? And you're like, <laughs> he's a friend of my, you know, uh-huh. a roommate of a friend of mine. And, yeah. and just... All the steps that went into setting up this phone call that night, everyone was kind of was blown away. And then I think we we kind of reproduced it for Conan with like I think we didn't tell Conan what happened. So there was another phone call where Groff and I were in Conan's office, and I think Groff got Conan to have a conversation with the guy oh, with I, Hank I didn't to know try that. to convince him to come aboard or maybe Groff act like he hadn't told. So, so I think Hank did kind of repeat performance for Conan. Oh, wow. Let Conan get a gut punch of this guy rejecting him as well. Oh my God. And then of course, then, you know, Conan had got his revenge on me. Yes. Your last night. Right. Oh yeah. So what happened? It was your last night on the show. And I went to Groff and Conan and we came up with this idea where, because back then, sometimes Conan, if a writer was leaving, he'd say, kind of a send off, like, "Oh, you know, so and so's moving on." Da 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 da. So we're like, "Oh, what if he does that for for Brian's last show at the end of the show?" And says, "You know what? Let's. He's so great. Let's bring him out." And we bring out Hank Flynn. <laughs> so we snuck Hank Flynn into the into the building, mm-hmm. and I was worried you were going to see him during the show, but luckily you were up in uh, your office, so. I, I don't know what you thought when you saw that because Conan goes, you know, there's a writer who's been here. Let's bring him out. Brian Rich. And then then Hank Flynn walks out. And were you watching from your office, Brian? Yeah. So I was upstairs and, you know, the writer's floor. And I think, you know, I guess the other writers knew it was going to happen because they were like, come on, you know, Conan, I think, you know, Conan's going to say something about you. You got to see this. So. So I was in there with a bunch. I think you were probably there, Sweeney. I think it was. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, it was that that office. You who was in there? You and Kylie. Gordo and Brian Kylie. Yeah, Kylie. You know, Conan starts with his feel like you know, there's a writer leaving, and I'm all like, 
and he's getting the warm fuzzy. He's like, oh, this is so sweet. He's saying something about me. Brian Rich, come on out here, Brian. And Hank Flynn comes out. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like really, I was really upset because I was like, oh my God, everyone who ever, who I ever told I'd write for this show or whatever, like they're going to see this and be like, that isn't the same Brian Rich. Like it's a completely different guy. <laughs> oh, wow. So I was just, I don't know. I was just definitely, uh, mm. yeah, got me good. I was trying to get down to the sixth floor and get up there and be like, no, no. Were <laughs> oh, you going to run out on the set? I was going to run out and ruin it so they couldn't air that or something. Yeah, I was going to run out there. Oh, wow. And people were like restrained. Like physically restraining me from getting to the stairwell and running down it. We're like, we're going to put a bag over your head, Brian. Uh. You, oh, you know what? No, what? no, here's what. I now I remember why I was upset. Why I was really upset was because at the end, Conan, in the interview, when he's talking to Hank a little, what's next for you? He said he was going to work, uh, going to write for Suddenly Susan. <laughs> That's right. And I was just like, no, it, that cannot stand. There that. could not be a worse fate for me. Yeah, that, that cannot yeah, be my trajectory. Well, it did stand. Yeah. And I did end up working for Suddenly Susan for many a year. <laughs> well, as long as Greg Cohen uh, was, he had to feel great relief yeah. when it all came out. You got to have, you should have Greg Cohen on this. I know. And Hank Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we started using him in sketches after that. He was in a lot of. Oh my God. That's right. So we did, he did actually get on the show after that. <laughs> yeah. He'd act in like a lot of satellite TV channels and stuff. That's right. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. One thing we do, we always like to wrap up the show by asking people for a piece of advice if they have one. Oh, just keep at it, guys. <laughs> you, you'll get this podcasting thing down eventually. Seriously. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Uh, sorry. I, no, uh, yeah. I mean, um, a piece of advice. Let's, as somebody who has been hired on the Conan show twice now, yeah. <laughs> for so, somebody out there who might want to get a job writing in late night or. You know, have broad interests, which, you know, you either have or you don't. So I don't know if that's advice, but I think you can, you know, find a way to use like everything that you ever learn in running for, you know, especially late night and sketch and something like that. That's like one of the things that's so great about it, you know, is you can just draw from anything you know or interested in and find a way to make that funny and get that across to people. Right. That's a good one. I don't know that we've covered that before, but I think especially having no. specific interests and like the more specific or the more kind of detailed you can get into something, that's going to mm -hmm. get you a lot of comedy, especially if it's something people aren't as familiar with. Yeah. And if you have a little, you know, a little knowledge that authenticity like kind of comes through yep. and like a sketch or joke, like y you just know, like even if the, the person getting the joke doesn't know that much about it, you can kind of sniff out like if the lingo and the, right. I right. don't know, the background seems legit or something, you know? Yeah. Like all the research you did for PimpBot. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and your years as a pimp. Exactly. I knew that would come in handy. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, this, I mean, you're a legendary writer, and it's really good to finally get to hash all these things out with you. Yeah, it's good to finally meet you. 